everyone, and we are back with Sports Bet's Trash Talk. I'm here once again with Corey Homicide-Williams and Mark Worthington. And by some divine intervention, we mentioned we started putting the comparisons out there of Sean Long and Andrew Bogut, and a lot of people jumped on it on Twitter, and there's a few people talking about that concept, mostly on the pro-Bogut side. But we don't need to wait long, because this week, Bogut and Long will be matching up. Cannot wait for this one. Now, boys... It's going to be a round of matchups because there are some big games here that are going to mean a whole lot heading into the late postseason. So, what are your thoughts on? Let's just throw one out there to start with Adelaide Brisbane. Were they? Well, it's a huge game for both of them. Obviously, both vying for that final, uh, the final spot at the moment. It wasn't that long ago that Adelaide went into Brisbane and got the job done. But I tell you what, if Adelaide are to win, Demetrius Conger needs to show up. I think he's out of shape. Like The dude's had two dunks since he's been here. He is nowhere near the player that they thought, what we thought was going to change that. Like He was a highlight reel every game, getting a dunk, getting a block. It just hasn't happened so far. To the point where Adelaide might have to make a decision quickly on Demetrius Conga. But I don't know. I think Adelaide might have Brisbane's measure at the moment. Just at the moment, but this is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league. Brisbane coming off a great win versus Melbourne. Adelaide faltering against a hot New Zealand team that have turned the corner. Obviously, this game is going to dictate a lot in which team will make the finals. I I don't know which way it's going to go. I, I honestly, this is a flip of a coin sort of game for me. As most of the damn NBL games are turning into. Like, when yeah. you get to this point of the season, especially with the Cairns result and the results we had last year, you can pretty much flip a coin on any of these games. So, punters, if you do want some advice on what to do with these games, just flip a fucking coin. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to go with Adelaide. Demetrius Conga has to feel the pressure and know that he has not performed to expectations. Does it look like he gives a fuck to you, though? I mean, to be honest with you, he has, he's, his game has completely changed to me. He's not being aggressive. He's not attacking the basket as much as we used to see him do last season. He's settling for way more jump shots. He turned into like a European player. He has two dunks. This is a guy we used to love to see in transition, get to the basket. Now he's doing mid-range, a lot of post games. It's like he can't even go by anybody consistently anymore. And you can't say it's the system. Because no, he's very in the, similar. It's in the perfect system yeah, for him. It's in the perfect when system. When he signed, I was like, this is a fucking game changer. Yeah. It just hasn't fucking happened. Is it almost like Jake Wiley's taken that athletic run-and-gun sort of guy they're looking for in transition and he's just not getting those same sort of looks? But I can't see that happening because it's not like Jake Wiley's not a selfish player by any stretch of the imagination. Adelaide is an equal opportunity team. You're going to get an opportunity to do yours. Everybody has an opportunity to do their thing. So, I mean, honestly, I don't know what it is. You know, just... He's just not the same player. He's not aggressive like he used to be last season. Maybe he's just not as hungry. Maybe he thought just because of what he did last year would carry over. Oh, I'm Conga. I killed at Illawarra. I should have been MVP of the league. But this year, you know, I'm just going to walk in and it's just going to happen. And it's not that type of league. He's got no legs. Like, when I watch him play, like, there is nothing that screams... Like, this guy's an athlete at the moment. He's still got that length and all that, and he gave Casper Ware fits uh, not too long ago. But his legs are not anywhere near to what we've seen. The dude that, like, blocked it with two hands off the backboard that became the instant highlight reel out of Illawarra last year, 
that's not the same guy we're seeing at the moment. He has lost his confidence. He, I don't think he's in shape or fit. And the crazy thing is, I know Joey Wright. Like, his training sessions will get you in shape, which tells me maybe he ain't training the way that he should be at the moment. Does anyone know the backstory of before he came to Adelaide? Because I wasn't sure whether he got he's did he get released by a team? Was he currently playing? Got bought out, or what I mean, was the situation? Because he very day. well could have been just sitting on his ass for a month. After you know, what it's like overseas. If you get released for a team, sometimes you're potentially sitting on your ass for a month. Some dudes are working out, some dudes aren't. He doesn't seem like the type of guy that would just sit on his ass. I know when he left the league, he went to Spain, played in ACB, which is one of the best leagues in the world, if not potentially some years the second best league in the world. It is the second best league in the world. ACB Spain is no fucking joke. Um, he left Spain, had a summer off season, signed in France. And after that, got waived. Just don't leave the French league. You got waived. After that, he came here. I don't know how long in between before he got waived, but he got here and his he took the, he took the foot off the pedal, off the gas. You're not as exciting as we thought it would be. From, but there is time to turn it around. And you briefly referenced saying that Adelaide may need to make a change. Would that be in terms of rotation? Maybe just Congo, you just sit for 30 minutes or whatever that is? Because it, it's, I believe it would be too late to cut an import. No, you need to play seven games. So, so when's, when's got, the deadline for that? Well, they'd still have uh, 11 games from memory. So in four games' time or three games' time, whatever that may be. But they... They, I mean, A, we don't know the financial situation of the Adelaide 36ers. It's easy for us to say, fire this person, bring someone else in. That's in our, our opinion. It costs money. Dudes have to it, be paid out, it, whether it's to the end of the month, whether yeah. it's whatever's in their contract. So whatever that may be. But the dude that I saw, what was he, one of 11, one of 12, get fouled out. Like, you're not bringing anything to the table at the moment. You're not doing what you were brought in to do. He needs, like... Adelaide's a young team, and he was supposed to be a, a guy that would help lead this team into the finals. So basically like kind of like the children's role. He was supposed to play the children's role. But, I mean, it's easy for us to People say this. People were throwing about, around championship predictions when they signed Conga. Right uh, abso- absolutely. Right abso- I'm still not going to go back on those. No. But how about Brisbane? Like, they lose by 29 <sighs> points to the Taipans and then come out – and beat Melbourne United down in the Gold Coast. Fantastic crowd, by the way. Like, more than what they get in Brisbane. Which was great, because the last time these two teams played in Gold Coast, I was there, and the crowd was miserable. So, the Brisbane obviously doing a lot of good things off the court at the moment, but I still like their roster. The one thing that concerns me about the Brisbane Bullets is their inconsistency in their guards. They've got talented guards. Glidden and Kadee are capable of winning a game by themselves, but they go missing too much, in my opinion. So how can they advance and do anything in finals if your guards are inconsistent and you don't know what you're going to get from them? You don't you better know hope that in a, a three-game series, you're, you're more likely to win with inconsistent guards. It's when you get to a five-game series where inconsistent guards aren't going to win you a series. And they're, they're lucky that they've got a guy called Lamar Patterson yeah. who does work at the, the great moment. equalizer. He is the great equalizer at the moment. You know, his his body of work speaks for itself so far in the league. Definitely and in consideration for uh in the conversation for MVP of the league. My short list. I got the top there's three. three. 
I got a top three. Well, give, Cotton, give, give us your top. Give both. Give us your top three. I think we're on the same page. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Madison, Cotton, Bogut. Those are the three Easy. guys. Those that, are the three. And you, you, you'd say probably not. Patterson because he came into the league late. Right. And that's the only reason. But if he had been here from the start of the season, yeah. maybe the Brisbane Bullets don't drop a couple of those games early and look a lot better than what they are. Maybe they're, they're, they're probably unlucky at the moment not to be on top of the ladder at the moment. Oh, 100%. I've been saying that all year. But you talk about the buzzer beat losses, but then Corey always comes up with a good point where it's doesn't matter if you have a close loss, it's a loss. So you still got to win an games. L but- is an L. No doubt. And some, they've copped a few. Some wise words from you there were, though. An L is an L. Put some quotation marks around <laughs> that one. So now that uh, one thing we can throw, and I know we talk about Bogut long, we, we spoke about these two guys a lot last week. But one thing, I just found out that, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but Sean Long is 25 years old. He's a baby. He's 25. That's yeah. definitely in consideration for – that comes into this argument. Leave sure. him. Listen. The guy is 25 years. I thought he was like a, a baby. I thought he was a 32-year-old he journeyman. He is a baby. He ain't Mc, uh, what is it, gladness? He's <laughs> 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 not gladness. Oh, God. He, I mean, he's going to make it to the NBA. Yeah, no doubt. Eventually. The hard thing is, though, that the game is changing so much. So his position, even though he's not a crazy tall dude, it's still just that position is it's becoming a don't like you talk they're talking about Zion Williamson potentially running him at the five in the NBA as a mismatch issue. Well, the thing about Sean Long is he's capable of shooting a three pointer, which he, is he can shoot. He, he got can mid range. Go ahead. He's got the little Dirk fadeaway that he showed uh, against Perth the other day. He had two of them with a Dirk little fadeaway. Like he is a very, very, very talented basketball player. Unbelievable. I think. His main issue is Stain. between his ears at the moment. That is the biggest issue of all. And if he doesn't get that sorted, that will be the difference between him making the NBA or not. There's no doubt in my mind that he is an NBA-type player and has the ability to be an NBA player. And, and also- but the thing that separates him and Bogut is Bogut's basketball IQ and what goes on between his ears is so much more relevant and he's predictable. We know what we're going to get out of Bogut. We don't know what we're going to get out of Sean Long. He definitely has a chance to make a statement this week against Bogut. It will put some people, you know, it might tip some people one way or the other. But until he shows me that he's capable of doing it against Bogut, he is always going to be the second best centre in the league at this point. Well, definitely. And I think even even if Sean Long comes out and has... 20 points against Bogut. I'm still saying Bogut. Like, Bogut's by far the better player, but he's also got a lot, a lot of experience under his belt as opposed to the 25-year-old Sean Long, which I cannot believe. That makes me feel so, so insecure. I mean, I, I agree. I agree with what you both are saying. You know, at the end of the day, this, you know, Bogut's averaging 18-11, four and 3.6 blocks. Let's just say four blocks a game. Okay, those are incredible numbers, especially when you go to the assists. You know what I mean? Most bigs can't pass, and his IQ is through the roof. We we know this. You know, with all the experience that he has playing ball at the highest level you can play, you know, the game is played 90% from the neck up, and he has that 100%, like you said, until Sean Long can prove that on a consistent basis and show us night in and night out what he can do. He will be the second best center, without a doubt. But I just hope that, you know, we see a really good game. I just hope that the weekend we saw 
and the work that he put in in those two games, it carries out for the rest of the season because it will make the league way more interesting for that fourth spot because they gotta they have a chance. Their, their schedule is not the toughest, not the easiest, but it's not like the hardest. For example, Perth, the last eight games that they had, where you know we we'll get to that in a minute, but um, <laughs> you know, wish them luck. Can I just add to this conversation? Do you think Nate Jawai heard a little something like he was on a mission oh, the yeah. last two games? Like, I know Nate very well. Mm-hmm. Like, before the Sydney game, he's like, I want the best Andrew Bogut to show up tonight because I want to show people that I'm still one of the baddest motherfuckers in this league. And you're listening to Bogut talk, like, how do you counteract Nate? Like, he's like, Nate's a strong dude. Like, he is by far the strongest guy in the league. He's the closest to our equivalent to Shaq. Like, in terms of Shaq's physical dominance. That's what we got. Yeah, Outback Shaq, which apparently he hates that nickname. He hates that nickname. (laughs) Get it, Outback Shaq. I mean, that's your nickname, big fella. (laughs) (laughs) That's just what it is. But there was times where Nate went through Bogut the other day and, like, people call, oh, that's a flop. No, when Nate hits you, you You're fucking, going down. You fucking feel that <laughs> shit. Like the one in transition the other night where Nate just like pretty much hip and shouldered him and Bogut went flying. And people were like, oh, he was trying to milk a fit. Nope. Nope. Nate hit him. Mano Imano. Nate hit him. And that's why the stuff that I did with Trigar before the game, it's so important to weather that first bump from Nate because he tries to go through your chest, knock you off balance. He's got good touch around the rim for a big fella. Yes, he does. He's got great touch. And him knocking – and he – there was times where he just gave Bogues that one dribble hit to the chest. That nullifies a shot blocker. No doubt. So many times you get the guys that are like – you know, it's very rare that you get a guy that's not Jawai's size, but you get those bigger guys that just don't want to use their body like that. And it's crazy when you get one that can actually do that like Najawa does. And I hope, I hope for the sake of cans that he keeps his form going. It's not only his power, but he's got great footwork for a big fella too. His spin baseline, his rip through baseline, all that sort of stuff. Like It's easy to overlook Nate when we talk about great centers in our league, but Nate has all the skill sets to be right up there in conversation if he gets the opportunity. Well, people forget that this guy was in the NBA. Until he had the, the heart issues in which he had to stop, which was a medical concern, which comes with being that size. I'm sure there's a lot of different medical concerns you can get, but he was an NBA talent, and it was because of what you speak about there, the footwork and that sort of stuff. It wasn't just sheer size. There were guys his size in the NBA, but his footwork and his IQ right up there. I think his body of work over the last couple of weeks puts him back in contention with Boomer's consideration Definitely. because he brings something different to the table. And we're going to have a... You know, you've got Bogut and Baines there as your big guys, but everyone else is like that new style, slender build, fast and all that. You say, all right, you want to go that way? We're going to throw Nate into the block now and stop that. Well, because you've only got to put him out there in an Olympic sort of contest. You've only got to put him out there for two, three minutes where you can make a bit of an impact and come out because well, you can't play exactly him all game. exactly what because- Greece did with Shortenitis. Play him, play him for a couple minutes, but you go into the post every time. And I think Can should play the exact same way. All right, we're going to play you for five minutes straight, but for that five minutes, everyone knows that ball's going into the post because teams are going to have to double you or you're going to go one-on-one and make a play. And the one thing that goes unrecognized with Nate's game is he is a great passer. 
he had seven dimes against Sydney the other night. Like he's, he's a great passer. Is Shortenitis the guy that doesn't look Greek, for lack of a better term? Yes. Yes. Okay, that's the one. I think that naturalized. They, I believe they, he is. They should <laughs> just had given him the ball more this season. I think he was, you know, outside of the point guard, he was the most consistent player on that roster. You know, when you give him the ball consistently, things happen. You have to double him. You know, more more times than not, he's making good plays at the basket. Like, he's scoring. I, I think, think they should have just used him more. I totally agree with you. And I think some of the trouble there is that Melo Trimble is such a ball-dominant guard that it's just, it's just not fun. It's not sexy to just roll the ball into the post anymore. Well, the Taipans look way better, and we'll get off the Taipans as soon as I say this. Thank you. Because I know how much you fucking hate the Cairns Taipans talk. I love their coach, but I just hate the team. Yeah. They look so much better when the ball wasn't in Melo Trimble's hand the last two games. When they mm. actually moved the ball, they look so much better as a team with less usage rate. Like, the guy's not Russell Westbrook. He's good, but he's not that good. 100%. And there's a note for punters. If you do realize the Cairns Taipans, the overs and unders on Melo Trimble for points are still quite high. Even though he did have a pretty big number, I believe it was around 26 Last game, they are sort of starting to go away from a little bit and try some other things. So now's the time to maybe jump on to some unders there on Mellow Trimble. Now, we spoke about basketball IQ for a little bit and guys having high basketball IQ, Bogut, for example. Who's the smartest guy? We'll start with you, though. Who's the smartest dude? So not necessarily the most talented, but just the smartest basketball player you've ever played with. That I've ever played with? Overseas oh. and someone hopefully relevant. Well, NBL, I think the smartest player that I've played with is Chris Goulding. In, in the NBL. He's an extremely smart basketball player. Incredibly underrated. I think his basketball IQ is incredibly underrated because he likes to take a few wild shots. Absolutely. But he, the way that he sees the game is exceptional. So, And you've been a teammate of him mm. and you see him at practice. He's like a, a second coach basically on the floor. with Some of the passes a, that this dude makes at yeah, practice. And yeah. I think he just doesn't – like some, some passes you're not going to make in a game. You just don't get the opportunity and that sort of stuff. But – I think that Chris Goulding, it's almost a disservice to Chris when people say he's just a shooter and stuff like that mm-hmm. because he's so, so much more and such an integral part of last year's championship from a leadership perspective, which I thought I would never see from Chris Goulding. You look at a dude, like the dude's got 50 points in a game in the NBL and he takes wild shots. I never would have thought that he would be a key leadership part yeah. of a championship team, which he impressed me to no end with that. And I guess from a boomer's perspective, Matthew Delavadova, like you can't get to where he's got to. With just with pure grit. Like, yeah, with a dad bod. He has got a great basketball IQ. And you can see it in his passes, the way that he works the game. Obviously, he works his ass off to get to where he is, but his basketball IQ is through the roof as well. I would say in the NBL, John Really. John Really was too worried about playing fucking cricket. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this guy was able to just—he made a lot of—he made the right plays at the right time, like all the time. He barely turned it over. He knew how to get a shot off with tough defense on him. He knew how to move without the ball. He knew how to create for others as well with 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 no ball handling ability. <laughs> he was still able to, you know. Um, I learned how to find him. You know, I had to. I had to. It was fun playing with the shooter like that because when he's on, oh my god! And you would have played with him in his older years as well. And I played. Yeah. Imagine the prime John really, you know, with, with Adelaide or the West Sydney John really. If I you do want to see the prime imagine. John really, then we... jump on YouTube and you can check some of those mm. highlights out. He's currently playing his trade over in the states, coaching, and he's doing a good job over there. He's had yeah. a couple of promotions. Can we just recently. say that John really is coming up since Corey posted a video this week 
of when the Crocs went and knocked off Perth in the finals, <laughs> where John really had nine, three, ten, ten three Broke pointers. The Jesus. And then they're all in the locker room, and Russell hinders with a with a piece of tape and a paper with J, jronfire.com and Anthony Susanjaro's got a sign, got put kegs on, and Corey's trying to be the most humble I've ever seen Corey ever in a post-game interview, then just switches into homicide mode. Croc Nation, we're coming up, be loud, we're going to the grand final. Uh-uh. South Dragons, motherfucker. i never forget that five minutes, yo. We had him. We had him. And then Wurlo turned it on in the last five minutes in the deciding game. And we didn't, they went to the grand finals and ultimately won the championship, won the grand final. But, you know, back to, funny enough, I'm talking about money time and crunch time. Players show up. Oh, Tariqo I, White. I know where this is going. <laughs> one point in the fourth quarter in well, the D- last seven games. Well, D-Day is looming. You're talking seven games to qualify for finals. There's 11 games to go. You probably want to get someone in there with nine, ten games to go. Just so you've got a little bit of leeway in case they roll an ankle. They actually D-Day. have nine games. And I went and looked for this stat because Wurlow, when we were on early in the week, Wurlow said, you know what? He's the second best second import. You know, but my thing is, look, let's say the guy, I don't even know his numbers. Let's say the guy is averaging 15 a game. Those are good numbers. How is he getting to 15 is how I rate you. Okay? On paper, let's say this, the, the second imports are averaging 12. It looks good. He had 14 in the first through third quarter. Where are you in the fourth when it's money time? That's how I rate you. Oh, so that's going to lie. 56 of 88 players. There's 88 players in this league. He ranks 56 in the fourth quarter. Which is completely unacceptable for an import, let alone on a potential championship team. And I say potential is a very, very loose word there right now. And especially when you only have two imports. So is he a good player? He is. But he's just not a crunch time player. That's where if you had a third import, you can take the pressure off of him. Would you like to see Perth with a third import or to make a move on Tariko? Keep Tariko. He's just not a fourth quarter player. Go through the big, get a big. Nobody's blocking shots for Perth. They need a big. Oh, oh, oh. You said Angus Brand is your guy. He and is you're my ro- guy. And you're rolling with Angus Brand. And Nick K is a potential first team all NBL. So you're going to get Go what get sort of big? big? What Go sort get a of center. big? Shot blocker. You could roll it into him and get a couple of buckets. So are we firing Tom Jervis? Somebody got to go. Like, Somebody, look, I don't know who you're going right, to fire, so but I got, know what you need. So they've got Mitch Norton's not going to get fired, obviously, off the mm-hmm. bench. Clint Steindl's not going to get fired off the bench. I can't I, I can't say you can get rid of Reese Vague because he's been playing some pretty good minutes. So that leaves you with Wagstaff, Hire, and Jervis. Who are you getting rid of those three? I don't care who they get rid of. What I'm saying is... You better get a center and a rim protector and somebody you can give the ball to outside of Angus Brandt to get you some buckets, or you might not make... Do you know their, their run? Do you know their run their last nine Please, games? Please enlighten everyone. Okay. They play Adelaide three times. They play Sydney. They play United. They have Cairns, and they, they play Sydney twice. They have United, and they have they have uh, Illawarra and Cairns. Three Adelaide, two Sydney... One United, one Illawarra, one Cairns. How many do they win out of that with their current roster? I'm going to say right now they may win 
They may win three, maybe four. Three, maybe four. And they got six of those at home. I, well, love, I love this. <laughs> three, well, maybe four. I'll tell you who else loves this. Someone that Corey spoke to earlier in the week. And one of the most well-respected Perth media supporters? journalists. Perth Perth supporters? He is a Perth supporter. Tim Go- <laughs> Respected Perth supporter. Tim Gossage, extremely, extremely good man at his job. He does a fantastic job over there in the most isolated city in the world, Perth. <laughs> that's not a knock on Tim Gossage either. That's a knock that on Perth. Like that's, a knock. that's a knock on Perth. <laughs> <laughs> you just knock Perth. That's a knock on Perth. Yeah, no, I lived there for two years. I lived in Cottesloe, the Golden I'm Triangle. A, I'm a WA boy. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, but Tim Gossage, extremely well-respected guy. You guys went at it. Now, that's homicide mode, if I've ever seen it. I mean, look, you know, for people who don't know, Tim Gossage, you know, people call me a troll on Twitter. I don't really <laughs> care what people, you know, that doesn't bother me, but he is a troll on me. <laughs> and what I don't Well, he like, seems to know how to get you fired up. That's nah, not that. It's the fact that, you know, all week... Well, all season, when they win. This is how I am, okay? When you win, say all the shit you want to say. But when you lose, don't disappear. Own it up on both ends. That's what I'm about. If I can tell you you're playing like shit, when you play well, I should be able to say, good on you, way to work. Or vice versa. If I'm patting you on the back when you're playing well, don't be a bitch and disappear or be mad when I'm saying, step your fucking game up. Play both sides. So he'll he'll talk all this stuff and disappear like a lot of the Red Army. And, you know, I expect better from him because of what his position is. But cool. You know, so, you know, times I just won't say anything. I just, you know, just ignore him. So for me to find out, I'm doing SEN Afternoon and usually Andy Marr. Andy Marr is the Wednesday guy. He's Andy Marr. He's on vacation. And they're telling me Tim Gossage, I'm being interviewed by him. Did you know beforehand that it was no, going to be Tim Gossage? I didn't know until the day before. You're always with Andy Marr, aren't you? Right. And I'm sure Tim knew. Tim, early. of course he knew. <laughs> so I'm like, no, they, they, they told me um, two days before, two nights before. I was like, I don't want to interview with Tim Gossage. Then I was like, I was like, I'm not doing it. They said, Corey, you cool to do it? I'm like, no, nah, I'm not doing it. I'm good. I don't want to talk to him. Then I'm like, <laughs> wait a minute. This is the perfect time to talk to Tim. <laughs> I said, Oh, yeah. I'm about to rip him a new asshole. Let's go. And then we went. You know, he tried to, you know, sound. How many How many podcasts are you on? I'm on. I'm, what do you do outside the NBA? I'm on one podcast. That's all I do is one one other thing outside of anything with my NBL responsibilities. Which is quite a heavy workload in terms of what you're doing. You're doing quite a lot. I'm doing enough for the yeah. NBL. You know yeah. what I mean? So, you know, he's, yeah. So I didn't know where he was trying to go with this, you know. But I just... Went in as talked about exactly what I wanted to talk about and tell him exactly what I wanted to say, and he had nothing. He had nothing. He's he's. I've known this man for a long, long time, <laughs> and he uses one phrase when I know that he's fired up. What's that one phrase, Corey? Don't get it twisted. Don't get it twisted. <laughs> and so when I heard "Don't get it twisted,", Don't get it twisted. I knew he was in oh, full homicide mode. You know, the thing is with me, you know, I talk loud. I'm passionate. Don't think I don't know what I'm talking about because I talk loud and I'm passionate about what I'm saying. Yeah. So don't think I don't know what I'm talking about. I would never allow anybody who's never played or got paid a dollar to play a game. He doesn't know what he's talking about. No, in I terms agree. Of that. Uh, don't does. tell me about stats about a player. Oh, he's this, he's that. Fourth quarter, he averaged one a game. 
It does roll me up a little bit sometimes when I see that on Twitter when Corey posts something and you get some couch warrior I'm posting like, like, he doesn't know what he's talking about this is just because he's not going with Perth or something like that. That, that That's does, all yeah, it yeah. is. Couch, yeah. Yeah. couch warrior. There's a lot of them a, in the NBL. There is a... <laughs> NBL Twitter is an absolute fucking. Jam. I like just calling people champ. champ. <laughs> like you got it, champ. All right, good, good, good chat, champ. Yeah, you got it. You but got no, it. I, I love, the, I love the back and forth between you and Tim. I reckon it's fantastic. It's two two dudes that are fantastic at their jobs and sort of know what yeah. they're talking about in certain regards. So I, I love it. Players, like you know, we have athletes that go at each other one on one. Let's have it in the media as well. It's yeah, fantastic. You know, at the end of the day, we're talking basketball. You know, there's nothing. I have nothing. Per- I look. I don't take anything personal because I don't, people don't know me personally. So why would I let something bother me? If I don't know you person, we don't have a personal relationship. So how can that really bother me? What you're saying, or technically it shouldn't bother me. You, what I'm really saying, if I don't know you, yeah, I don't take it personal is my point. It's just conversation. That's all. No, I feel it. And that's about enough NBL action. Let's jump over to some NBA talk. James Harden. Now, oh my I thought he peaked when he, just dismantle the Warriors, but I guess not. I guess he decided to keep that ball rolling and say, "Hey, there's another, another guy in the envis- in the conversation for MVP here," which may be taking a bit of a stretch. I think Giannis might have that one on potential lockdown. But what do we think of that so far? Were they? I mean, it's just incredible what he's doing numbers wise, and you know, he's turned the Rockets around. Like they were terrible at the start of the season. They were they were so bad to watch. And this guy, and I might add, since Chris Paul has been out, he has had the ball in his hands more often, and he's like he's that good of an offensive player. It, and I've just got to throw this in real quick. It would be hard for me not to say something about this, but the contrasting styles of watching the way that James Harden goes about his business and offense and what Clay Thompson just did against the Knicks. For 43 points off four dribbles in the game. Ridiculous. Just four dribbles in the entire game for 43 points. Like, that is insane. And it just shows you the different styles and ways to play basketball. Harden's so good on the individual one-on-one. He rocks you to sleep. He does his double step back, which is only a travel if you're not James Harden. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> thank you, refs, for letting yeah. that go because it's pretty exciting and to watch. And what Steph Curry did the other day was fucking hilarious, by the way, after he did the double step back and just put the 13 on his chest. He was <laughs> like, if I was James Harden, you wouldn't have called <laughs> that, you know? But uh, – what he's doing numbers-wise at the moment is just incredible and really, really fun to watch. Like that jumper that he hit over Draymond and Clay against the Warriors the other day. I mean, unbelievable how it wasn't called for a foul. Oh, seriously? Like out like, of everything that this guy gets called and doesn't get called for, yeah. and then you're gonna let that one fly? Well, I, I'll give it to the NBA refs. They let they let games be decided by shots and makes at the end of the day. They don't try and overrule something in like the last minute. They're yeah. like, you have to make a fucking play in the NBA. Like, we're not gonna make we're not gonna bail you out on a whistle call. They you have to make a play. And James Harden, he's making plays at the moment at the end of the games. Do you think that James Harden when he's on, all right? So there's LeBron that's taken he's taken himself to seven, eight championships in a row, seven, eight finals in a row. But he also re- always requires a lot of good players around him, which is no disrespect to LeBron. It's just how he works. He's a facilitator, that sort of stuff. Is there a better guy at just getting you a win off his own back than James Harden when he's on? If you could have one dude and you say, this dude has to, you're just going to have an average team around him 
And this dude has to get you a win off his own back. Like he's taken every second shot. He's been involved in every single play. Do you think there's another guy in the league that can dominate a game to the extent that James Harden can? Well, you could argue Russell Westbrook and what he was able to do post Harden and KD leaving and the numbers that he produced his MVP season. Yeah. You could argue, but we'll guess we'll never know with KD that he has got the skill set to drag a team across the line, but he goes into the social loathing because he's got so much talent around him that he doesn't need to be Easy that to guy every single night. So at the moment, is there a better guy? No, there's not. He is the best at single-handedly being able to win a game for you off his own back. But I think there's others that have the capability but are not in the position to do it at the moment. Do you, do you, um, you see how we talking about James Harden right now? And rightfully so. James Harden's the best street ball player in the NBA. You guys want to know what street ball looks like? That's what you're watching. Does he run any plays? Nope. No. What no. is everything he's doing? One-on-one isolation and ball handling. So when you think street ball, think what James Harden's doing in the biggest, most important league in the world. That's what street ball is. Handling the ball, breaking your man down, getting flat out buckets. That is what he's the best street ball player in the world. And I'd argue <laughs> I'd, that's exactly what it is. I'd argue the person that is most likely that could defend him the best is already on his team. In PJ Tucker. <laughs> yeah. Because that guy is a junkyard dog. Yeah. And yeah. he is an absolute beast. He was the guy that replaced me in Germany, and rightfully so, because he's turned out to be a slightly better player than what I was. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, don't forget about it. Statistically, our Aussie, Dante Exum, is one of the best guys in the league at guarding Harden, mm. which is one of the factors why he got such a massive paycheck on these next three years because your, his stats. He's, he's your boy. He's my did boy. He tell he's you, my boy he, as well. Did he tell you to say this? No, no, no. no. <laughs> hey, Gave him the plug. <laughs> the statistics told me to say that. No, it's legitimate. It's actually out there. The statistics per possession is one of the, the other one is Ben Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> That's all we got time for of NBL and NBA talk. I'm going to leave you with one thing. I do try to end these podcasts with a bit of punting advice. Now, a lot of AFL is a huge betting sport in Australia. It's one game a week. So you don't have to worry about double headers, that sort of stuff. In the NBL, one of the major factors in whether teams drop games they shouldn't is the double headers or when they have another massive game on the back end of the double header. Scheduled losses. Scheduled losses. We get a few of them. Now, for example, Brisbane losing to the Cairns Taipans. No one usually would have seen that coming. But if you also look that they were playing Melbourne at the end of that weekend. So all their attention is going to be on playing Melbourne United. So they're not really going to worry too much about that first game and they're the ones that teams can usually drop. So make sure you keep your ear to the ground, take a look at scheduling and don't just go with the favourite all the time because there is some great value you can find in the rough ones in the NBL if you look at the scheduling and you look at sort of just a few of those finer details. Now, thank you all for tuning in. Thanks to at C Homicide and at Wertho33 and at Felix Hoff. I've probably got the worst username out of the group, but... We'll see you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in. And most importantly, gamble responsibly.